Hello and welcome to Hobby Homies. We are your weekly tabletop podcast. I'm Shane, as always, hanging out remotely with Fox. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, you bet. I bet you are. You know what? I'm excited <laughs> too because today I'm going to be kicking back while you take us deep into Harlequins. I couldn't take you any deeper than I I'm going to take not. you. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not going to be the only one kicking back. I want all the listeners, when we start, to do the same thing that Shane's going to do. Crack a beer, wet your paintbrush, kick your Bark feet up. up. a big old... not going to say it. We do have stool. underage people listening. <laughs> <laughs> Pull up a stool. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> um, before we strap on our scuba gear uh, yep. for this deep dive, we uh, well got giveaways, painting competition. All uh, It's all happening right now, but we'll go into that at the end of the episode like normal. Yeah, sounds good. We'll do all that. We'll do that all, all that stuff at the end. All that stuff. <laughs> all that stuff. So, look, I've had... Today has been an interesting day. Um, boy, do I have a deep dive for y'all. But for some context, I have had painkillers, caffeine, and alcohol. So, we'll see how this goes. Yeah, sounds like it's going to be a wild ride. It, it, it is, my friend. <laughs> so, this deep dive... I had the choice of many a deep dives. I've wanted to do one ever since Shane floated the idea. Um, but then he did a few and I was like, I could never live up to this. So, <laughs> I've taken a back seat. I've been observing, studying, taking notes. And I thought, it's going to be a lore deep dive on a 40k faction, right? Hell yeah. That's what we know. It could be it. Tyranids. I know them well. I've lived and breathed them since they were but Zerglings on StarCraft for me. Uh, I, I hope you're not building up a prelude to the listeners because I've already told them what the deep dive is. Did you really? Yeah. I said we're getting deep into Harlequins. Oh, I didn't even hear that. <laughs> Sorry, but anyways, I'm preluding anyways. Yeah, well, I ruined it. <laughs> here's why I didn't choose Tyranids or Crute. Both I could have done. But I actually know Harlequins the best of those factions. Mostly because yeah. they've got only just a sliver of lore comparatively. Um, but because of the the two codexes I was actually able to get, like you can't get a crook codex, don't get me started. But these are the only two codexes I've ever read cover to cover, 7th edition and 8th edition Harlequins. No way. So, yeah, it's which is crazy, both because like, it means I haven't read any of the other codexes, <laughs> but also because, yeah, I just found them the most interesting and uh, I'd like to share that with you all today. Hell yeah. Well, I, I know fuck all about Harlequins. And- Excellent. I hope the listeners also know fuck all. So yeah, I've tried to I've tried it. to prepare this. I will. I've tried to prepare this in such a way that people like yourself who know nothing <laughs> will at all <laughs> will no. get something out of it. But if you also have a loose understanding of Harlequins, there might be some nuggets in there for you as well. So to start off with, no further ado, what are the Harlequins? I'd like to start with an excerpt from the 8th edition codex that sort of gives a nice summary before we truly dive in deep. So, the Harlequins are the strangest and most enigmatic of all the Eldari factions. They are warrior acrobats, battlefield performers who make no distinction between war and art and whose breathtaking feats of agility and violence make them a terror, the terror of all those they face. Using the hidden paths of the webway, the masks of the Harlequins strike without warning and kill without mercy. 
wreathed in fractal illusion, supported by hurling jet bikes and lightweight but lethal skimmer gunships, the Harlequins unleash their weapons upon their enemies, closing to melee range under the covering fire before the foe has time to grasp the battle has begun. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. But it also says things like Eldari and Webway that a lot of people might not know about. So we'll, we'll dive into that. So I think to truly understand the Harlequins, we have to first, I have to first loosely talk about the Eldari as a whole and the events that sort of led to the origins of the Harlequins while I take a sip of my Purple Energy Rockstar drink. Sponsorship open. <laughs> Taking all applications. Um, I... Oh, the Necron, my Necron deep dive, I think I mentioned Eldari once. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually really keen to learn where the Harlequins fell in compared to the war in heaven against yes. the Necrons, you know? So this is going to be sick. Well, that's a good place to start. So the Eldari race, uh, you know, I can only reference them to humans because we are humans. That's our best reference point. They're basically... Taller, faster, smarter, and stronger than they're humans. They're space elves. They are exactly that. They are space mm. elves. If you imagine mm. Legolas in space, yep. that is these. Mm-hmm. So they can live for a thousand years. Uh, Wait, they're immune pointy to ears? Pointy ears and everything, dude. Yep. 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 Check, they check all the elf boxes. One. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know me elves. That's an elf. <laughs> so, I, for example... They're so intelligent, a human genius would be but a trained monkey to the Eldari. They experience emotions on a scale that we could not understand or fathom. Um, So that's the Eldari. And that's true of all Eldari. They're all built differently like that. Okay. Now, the Eldari were created by the Old Ones to fight against the Necrontier. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Little, Little nugget for you. After the great war in heaven between the Necrons and the Old Ones, the Necrons decided to go to sleep in an attempt to outlast the Elder. So, like, you can hear more about the war in heaven that Shane just mentioned before on his Necron deep dive. Was there two parts to that? There was, wasn't there? No, just one. For now. For now. (laughs) So, the the Necrons were basically like, well, we in our current state, we've just fought the Old Ones. We can't also felt fight this insane race of Eldari. We'll just go to sleep. We'll have a kip. And when we wake up, they'll be dead because they're mortal. And we are immortal. Yep. Simples, right? <laughs> so when the Necrons had their kip, this left a big power vacuum in the galaxy and the Eldari filled it. The eons following, the Eldari became rulers of the universe, effectively. They were unrivaled and unquestioned. They just became this all-powerful race. They basically automated every facet of their life and got to the absolute peak of civilization. With no limits on what they could do, over thousands of years, they began to explore every self-centered experience they could. And to try and explain this i guess you got to imagine if every single human on earth could do whatever they wanted we don't have to labor anymore we don't have to lift a finger every need that we have is met in excess and there's no limitation on our resources we've conquered the galaxy and pretty much become gods you can just imagine how out of control shit would get yes yep that's that's basically i mean look how corrupt 
the rich are and they only have a small sliver of that you imagine uh, billions of people me started on the rich on those... and their tax evasion <laughs> those corporate fat cats <laughs> everyone's yeah. basically living on um what's that dude with the island's name which one <laughs> I, i've uh, i've blanked on him epstein epstein the Eldar yeah. are basically just the ga- they turned galaxy the galaxy into epstein's island wow <coughs> yeah not a nice place not no, a nice place. Not for all. <laughs> so, yeah, the Eldar, as you could imagine, or the Eldari, sorry, I'll, I'll call them both. Um, yeah. The Eldar, as you can imagine, became increasingly hedonistic, curious, and thirsty for experiences of every extremity. In time, brother fought brother, and sadistic killers stalked the shadows in search of victims for their vile lusts. Wow. No life was spared in the pursuit of pleasures both murderous and perverse. So, it's getting pretty damn wild. Yeah. So, this is kind of when they start getting into like their BDSM stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. They go into like everything. There was, you know, eventually there's nothing left to explore except the most vile things. Um, yeah. The Eldari are a psychic race, and as a result, all the thoughts and emotions of the ecstasy and agony that their depravity caused rippled throughout the warp. This both created and then slowly fed the god of excess, Slanesh. Eventually, billions of hedonistic and sadistic psychic beings, the Eldari, all feeding the warp with their tainted energy and emotions caused the birth of this chaos god, Slanesh. Mm-hmm. In what can be likened to a psychic Big Bang, Slanesh was born from the energy of the warp into a divine conscious being. So, she'd slowly been... He? She? Slanesh had slowly <laughs> been feeding on these psychic ripples that the Eldari race had been inadvertently feeding him, her, her. Slanesh? She Slanesh? Yeah, Slanesh. It- yeah, yeah it's an interesting yeah. one because I remember talking to a games workshop manager about Slanesh. I'm like, what's the go? Like, yeah. what's with the breasts and then sometimes the lack thereof breasts? And yeah. he's like, basically, Slanesh is whatever you want Slanesh to be. You know, yeah. if you're into yep. dudes, Slanesh is a dude. If you're into chicks, Slanesh is a chick. If you're into both, then it's probably a mismatch of both. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Um, which is I mean they're gods yeah I think um, I'll reference her as a she because she's also called more commonly she who thirsts okay so um, but if you're uh, yeah if you're into dudes it's he who thirsts that's the beauty (laughs) of Slanesh that's it so this this big psychic this psychic big bang happened in a cosmic psychic scream that clawed at the souls of every living Eldari in the universe and instantly killed billions of them. The birth of Slanesh absorbed the souls of 95% of the Eldari race, which is pretty bloody wild because they were the conquerors of the galaxy and in an instant were just brought to... turn Not to dust. That's a different faction, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. So, Slanesh now by right owned every Eldari soul and upon death... She who thirsts will take them all. And that is true to this present day in the 40k universe. Wow, okay. It wasn't just billions of Eldari that died in the birth of Slanesh. 
the Eldari had a pantheon of very active gods. I can't remember how many there are. Nine plus. Um, and Slanesh devoured them all, bar three. One of those three was shattered into a thousand pieces, becoming shards. And the other one was saved... Well, another one of the three was saved, air quotations, <laughs> by Nurgle. And I believe is currently in a cage of some sort of constant torment by Nurgle. Wow. Um, but whilst the battle between Slanesh and the Eldari gods waged on, one such god escaped. And this is where the story of the Harlequins begin with Segarak, the Laughing God. Pause for effect. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering where you were going with that, but that's, uh, that's very cool. That's very Thank cool. You, I, I've, I've heard of you mentioned the, the Laughing God before. Um, so, yeah. He's incredibly awesome. And I to fail to put it into words... Um, but I just think, I just think he's, he's tops. <laughs> he's like, uh, he's got that cool vibe to him in the 40k universe that Loki has in the Marvel universe. Yeah. Just this yeah. like conniving, super clever. The I mean, trickster. you can't compare the two. He's a trickster. He's the trickster yeah. God. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, he's infinite. He's like, if Loki was 38 billion times more powerful, obviously. Yeah. But he's got that same vibe. Um, now. Let's get pronunciations out of the way. For thematical reasons, I'll pronounce it differently many times, butchering it completely, as yeah. the laughing god appreciates a good joke. Um, but I've heard it pronounced a billion different ways. Uh, some people say Kegarak. Some people say Segarak, Segorak, whatever. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to call him Keggy most of the time. Kegs. The Kegster. Yeah. I think the thing with... You know, all this lore in 40K is because so much of it is just written. Um, yeah. You know, no one official has has read this in a in a script, in a movie or anything like that. So, it's like, how That's do it. you know what's what? So, everything's open to interpretation. Yeah. And um, I think, like, so I, the most common interpretation is Sigorak. But yeah. in a audio book, some people were saying it, it said Kegorak with a K. Like pronounced with a k it's spelt with a c yeah i know um but having said that who's to say the person that read the audio book and the people that told him to pronounce it that way uh the same as the ones who intentionally uh who, who wrote originally wrote it totally yeah 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 so anyways yep we'll call him keggy keggy <laughs> um oh uh, no I'll, tr I'll stay true i'll try and change it as many times as i can remember so segarak <laughs> is the only Eldari deity from the pantheon of old who still exists in his original form. He's the only free god at the moment. He's the laughing god, the trickster god, the great harlequin, a master of deception, guile, art, creativity, and trickery. Keggy snuck into the webway to survive Slanesh's birth when the other gods were fighting. A sneaky boy, if you will. So he ran like a little bitch. No. No shame. Asia? He strategically <laughs> snuck into the webway with guile and creativity and trickery uh, and deception and, uh, and okay. art. Yeah. All not, the art. It's, it's not cowardice, it's strategy. <laughs> it's art. <laughs> so the webway you'll hear reference often. Uh, it's just a it's just a hyperdimensional 
labyrinth of prismatic tunnels. It exists between real space, the real universe, and the warp, the psychic realm, and has been likened to capillaries and blood vessels of the galaxy spreading throughout, but hidden within. Yeah. So, very the cool. Aldari race... What did you say, sorry? I said that's that's very cool. Thank you. You're I welcome. wrote it myself, but the concept of the webway, I, I cannot stress this enough, is not mine. <laughs> the Eldari race used it to fast travel the galaxy, and the Dark Elder actually live there. Like, their main city resides within the webway. So, That's it's a... Kamora. Correct. Yeah. It's a functioning realm uh, that the Eldari, I guess, have dominion over. Yeah. Um, Segarak is said to be... Is said to know every single inch of the webway. The only being that's even close to understanding the billions of different tunnel networks. He uses this labyrinth of protection to laugh at the chaos gods from behind the veil whilst also hatching his revenge. Yeah. Now, Keggy should never be underestimated. I'm a big fan of the boy, I'll be honest. And I think this is Fox's personal opinion. I think it's entirely possible that act one of his masterful play, as he is the great choreographer, was in fact the fall of the Elder. It's a big call. He is the sworn enemy of Slaanesh, that is true, and is currently plotting to enact revenge on She Who Thirsts for wiping out most of the Eldari. But it can't be ignored that the birth of Slaanesh left the trickster god as the strongest active Eldari god, with arguably the most deadly army of loyal followers. So whilst everyone else suffered from the fall, Segi has been undeniably elevated. Now, he is after all the great jester, whose role it is to laugh in the face of the mighty in order to humble them, and the Eldari could not have been more mighty or more humbled from their fall. That's just my little theory. It'd be pretty like cool it. if it was true. Yeah. Uh, Keggy has been proven to be undeniably clever and cunning, but even the most talented playwrights needs their players to act out the masterpiece. Enter the Harlequins. Pause for effect. And drink Rockstar. Yeah. <laughs> guzzle, guzzle Rockstar. <laughs> Especially when I didn't pick up the slack of that moment of silence there. No, You're no, probably no. mid-guzzle <laughs> thinking, fuck, he's I like not going to say anything. <laughs> I should stop guzzling, but damn, I'm thirsty. <laughs> I like to imagine you're sitting there on the edge of your seat just like, when's he going to say the next brilliant thing? <laughs> I am. I've got like my hands like under my chin, you know, like Excellent. a kid in, uh, what do you call it, uh, reading time? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What you I don't know. <laughs> um, so... Just quickly, I said enter the Harlequins, but we're not we're not quite there. I want to first explain the three Eldar factions that remain after the fall. Because again, we're setting the stage here for the Harlequins to enter. And they haven't left. arrived yet. Exactly. Yeah. But first, the prelude, which has been... But, you know, the person that comes out first and announces the Harlequins, this is that. So okay. after the fall, three factions of Eldari remained. The Exodites which I didn't really I forgotten even existed to be honest. That's how that's how well they exodited themselves. The Exodites left the Aldari homeworlds. Ju- this is just before the fall. Yeah. 
after they witnessed their race becoming increasingly perverted and corrupted. So they basically like, you got you guys are into this, that's cool. Like, you do you, but we're out. Kind of. They're more like, what the heck are y'all doing? That's <laughs> disgusting. I ain't about that. Y'all are thinner. I'm getting out of here. And then, yeah, so they basically fled the home worlds and inhabited... Like, most of the Exodites were still wiped out. It was just the ones that inhabited worlds far enough away from the birth of Slaanesh um, that happened to survive. They're basically... They've gone um, full Amish as well. They've sort yeah, of... Yeah, okay, yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. That's the best so way to describe it. they're good at building them. things. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Oh, man, you should see these Exodites raise a barn. <laughs> boy, boy, can they raise a barn. A bit. Um, the Asuyani, or the Craftworld Elder, were those who had created Craftworld crafts worlds and flown far enough away from the birth of blast now craft cra- worlds are just mm-hmm. like ships right like big old big old ships yeah absolutely um yeah, yeah. so something interesting that i just saw as i scrolled over the codex is that the slanesh has been called she who thirsts but also the oh, i've just lost it again never mind the, the prince, dark it was prince the, or something. Prince the, of pleasure. Yeah. Prince of pleasure. Yeah. That's what. That's what I was getting at when I was talking to yeah. old mate. I'm like, what's the go? Yeah. Yep. So that's cool. That is very cool and makes perfect sense because it's yeah the god of whatever you whatever you want. You know, you know what I'm saying? Whatever you want. Oh yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so craft worlds are they're just big. They're massive, uh, world sized. Uh, ships that are completely yep. self-sustainable. Um, so they basically just created their own planets that can also fly. Nice. Um, and if they were far enough away from the Eye of Terror when it was birthed, um, then they survived. The Eye of Terror was created from the birth of Slanesh. So basically everything wrong with the 40k universe is the Eldar's fault. They're pr- yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> leaving... the fucking ruin it. Speaking of wrong, I've left the best to last, the Drukhari. <laughs> oh, no. They, they didn't survive because they were out of proximity. They survived because they were so perverse that they had started pleasure cults within the webway. They yeah. effectively just wanted to do naughty stuff in the darkest corner of the galaxy. So they survived because they were already in the protected webway. So Slash was like, I like that. Like, you, you guys keep doing that shit. Slanesh just can't get a little grubby his his her grubby paws on the oh, webway okay. and the those that are in it. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Slanesh does like a fair bit of that that's going on, and that's 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 the Drukari's whole stick. But we'll, we'll get to that some other time. <laughs> yeah. So to explain how a member of the aforementioned three factions actually become a Harlequin, I just want to give a quick little excerpt from the Eighth Edition Codex. No. Eldari is born a Harlequin, and all manner of strange tales persist concerning how this metamorphosis occurs. Some are supposedly drawn from amid bustling crowds, beckoned into the shadow by a masked figure only they can see. Others simply vanish from their personal chambers. Still, others are swept up in a Harlequin's performance and stolen away. Some lose an ill-judged wager with a troopmaster 
or follow mysterious laughter and skirling music through a webway gate, never to be seen again. So, all we know is by some means, Segi calls selected Eldari into the webway where they'll begin their metamorphosis. Wow, that's really cool. I I had no idea that it was more of a recruitment thing than a mm-hmm. than like that's you just become one like you're born into it, mate. I mean, probably there are some which are born. Maybe I don't know how it all works, but like the well, fact I that they that just too, hire them. Yeah, you know, I think there probably isn't any. I mean, the codex itself says no Eldari is born a Harlequin, and know. all Harlequin are Eldari. And part of their thing that we'll touch on later is that they. They discard their beings, so maybe they just never make kiddos. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Maybe Segi would rather recruit from the already existing Eldar and shape them. Yep. It probably... His whole plan is to undo Slanesh, and it probably makes sense that he would rather use existing Eldar, who are descendants of those that fell, to be part of the rise. Anyways, he's yeah, all about yeah. that stuff. Nice. Um... So, every part of their being that existed before is left behind. Friends, family, grudges, failures, victories, and plans, and future plans, are thrown to the warp, metaphorically, (laughs) and only a devout player to the laughing god remains. Now, it can't be understated how transformative this process is. Whilst the actual details of what takes place during the ascent, I call that's I call it an ascent. I think Harlequins are just better than Eldar, so sure. <laughs> Whilst the actual <laughs> details of what takes place during the ascent to Harlequins are mostly unknown, the result is very known. In fact, an old Rogue Trader article mentioned some of the mental rewiring that takes place. Apparently, the final rite of passage to ensure a Harlequin player is mentally incorruptible to chaos is to allow a Keeper of Secrets to enter their mind so that they can then show the ability to cast it out. Which is pretty full on. Yeah. So, if this is the intensity of training that goes into ensuring a single player is mentally sound, it's safe to assume the same intensity is brought to all other areas of their training. Yeah, absolutely. The results are a Harlequin player, as deadly as they are swift. Um, comparing a Harlequin to a regular Eldari infantry of any kind is, I would say, similar to comparing a firstborn space marine to a Primaris. Mm -hmm. Or or potentially, in some cases, a guardsman to a space marine. Yeah, so there's not, you know, it's no small uh, small step between them. No, it's not like, oh, they're just like, they're not just like, oh, they've had a couple years training and some better equipment. Who knows how long they've trained for? It could be hundreds of years if you were to take a guess in fact i don't touch on it throughout this whole thing at all because there's no time but there are these insanely godlike elite beings called solitaires and it took 1500 years for the harlequins to train or make their first solitaire wow um so you can assume they're no they're not rushing these training jobs you know no um I've gone off. I've gone on my tangent. <laughs> oh yeah. So that speaks to the grueling and intense practices that take place to create a servant of the Laughing God. A Harlequin player is then assigned to a troop of either light, dark, or twilight theme, which is cool. Mm-hmm. These 
Themes assists the Harlequins to fight in harmony and synchrony as they help determine what style of character they'll play. So, a troop of light will act like a headstrong hero of ancient myth, acting as like a brave protagonist. Um, Troops of the dark are sinister and vindictive, always looking to finish off their enemies with flamboyancy and flair. Troops of Twilight are obsessive in their attention to detail, often seeming insane until their brilliant final plans are revealed. (laughs) So, once assigned to a troop, the player will be given a specific role to play within that troop. And these roles uh, or characters dictate every single facet of the Harlequin's life and personality from that moment forward. So, they're given roles like the Sun Prince or the Webway Witch, or Shamish, the Poisoner. Those are in the Codex. They're weird names. They are very weird names. Yeah. But so they're given a role like that. You know, you are this person that does this thing, effectively. Yeah. And they become that character in every way possible to the nth degree. Even their moral compass and future plans become that of the character they are given. It's like method acting on steroids. Mm Mm-hmm. Pause for drink. I mean, effect. <laughs> ah. How do you do this, dude? It's tough. It's very tough. <laughs> I like to think you have like a camel pack and you're like drinking and talking at the same time. You've yeah. mastered you've mastered the art of the deep dive. <laughs> I've oh, still no, got my snorkel on. <laughs> <laughs> so, after they are rigorously trained and transformed into a Harlequin, given a troop, assigned a role, they are then tooled with an arsenal of war gear unlike any other. Their masks are terrifying. It is said that those who look into the mask of a Harlequin see their worst fears reflected back at them. An inescapable psycho-responsive bombardment that distracts and terrifies in equal measure. Um, which just sounds... It reminds me of, um, what's that guy from... So, th- their masks are also used in performances we'll touch on later where yep. it, like they shift and change color and show symbols and all that kind of stuff. Reminding me of the guy from The Watchmen. Is it Rorschach? Ro- I can't remember his name. Have you seen The Watchmen? No, I haven't. Oh, my goodness, Shane. <laughs> I want you to pause this deep dive right now. You can't. You're here live. But everyone else, if you haven't watched it, pause this. Go watch that. Doesn't add anything to this story, but he has a mask that moves as well. So, Is that it a TV it. show or a movie? It's a movie, yeah. Oh, I thought so. I think, yeah. Re- yeah. yeah. I'll Anyways, watch it tonight. <laughs> that's just their mask. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, me too, actually, I think. <laughs> Um, they also have hollow fields that distort their outlines, creating a mirage of reflections and illusions. Um, they have flip belts, which are like gravitic. I don't know what a gravitic generator is, but I copy pasted it in case it's a 40k thing. I feel like it's like an anti-gravity thing. Like it helps them jump higher and... That's what I wrote out originally. I was like, what if anti-gravity... I mean, but yeah, it effectively does the same thing. It allows them to leap and bound gracefully over battlefields of rubble and chaos. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'd say a little anti-grav generator, I guess. Maybe it could propel you in any j- direction. I don't know. Basically, yep. it turns them into, like, little fleas. <laughs> <laughs> Hopping around. Yeah. Uh, yep. The player's offensive weaponry is defined by the particular act they are about to play on the upcoming battle. I won't go into all their war gear, but all of it's so cool, man. I could just do an episode on war gear. 
I remember um, when we, we used to play in seventh with your Harleys, like there was like the caress, the embrace or something, the kiss, yep. Yep. all these different like melee weapons. And I'm like, it's just a, it's just a hand. <laughs> but you're like, yeah. oh no, has- this hand has <laughs> minus three AP. <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, okay. <laughs> all of that is true today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in fact, the, yeah, the kiss, uh, I won't, I won't, I won't go into all of them, but the kiss is interesting to say the least it's basically like a wrist mounted spike that doesn't just like impale someone when it does it shoots out like i can only describe it as like a nano sized barbed wire that whips around in the body it shoots out thousands of these little nano barbed wire cords into the body of the person and whips around and acts as like a blender for their organs turning their inside to soup they so they basically become like a human juice box. Exactly. Yep. So the skin stays there, but everything else inside is liquefied. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Nice. And why do they use this? Is it more efficient? No. To the Harlequins, it's just funny as fuck. <laughs> it's hilarious <True>. to them. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. And, and that kind of sums up the the Harlequins. Uh, um, what do you call it? I don't know, but it's it's sort of their temperament as well. Like on the one hand, they turn the insides of something into soup because it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. But on the other hand, they can inadvertently inadvertently save uh, an innocent race from total wipeout by defending it against the chaos invasion. You know. Oh, so they so, they do that. They do do things for good. They don't. They do all things for the laughing god, and why okay. he does things is unbeknownst to anyone. Okay, yeah, but it can be portrayed as good. You know, they've yeah, decided to save this entire race. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, and they can show up. You know, a, a, a mask, which is basically just a gathering, like a collection of different troops, could show up entirely made of um, troops of the light. And they will act heroically and bravely, saving people. Um, but I guarantee they weren't there to save people. It's all a show, as yeah, is okay. all things with the Harlequins. So, like, they might come back like a thousand years later with Aston Kutcher and just be like, "You got punked," and they after could come they've back like stolen their car or something. That the Harlequins, it it would be completely in character for them to show up as the riders of Rohan coming over the edge of a battle in the final moments, saving the good guys, celebrating with them, leaving, and then coming back one second later with the faces of their enemies and kill everyone that they just saved. Yeah. All right, cool. So that's the Harlequins in essence. Nice. (laughs) So I want to drive home how the Harlequins fight equally deadly and perfectly choreographed with this explanation from the 7th edition codex. Um, if that is okay. Is that alright with you, Shane? Is that alright? Look, I'll allow it. I mean, you have referred to many different codexes tonight. Um, well, only the two. And it, it's funny. So much of the 7th edition codex has just been copy and pasted into the 8th edition codex. Well, of course, dude. They can't like, rewrite whole new codex, can they? And then sell you it again. No, no, no. Of course not. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I just think it's it, it speaks to how well they do the lore that it feels like the Harlequins are the this massive race with so much history and lore, but not so much to actually fill a book. You yeah. know, it's it's it, yeah. the details are in the ambiguity almost. Yeah. Anyways, I just to, just as I finish, I just want to drive home that combat prowess 
uh, and I'll drive it home with this point. Swift beyond belief and impossibly agile, the Harlequins flow through the battle like silk streamers in a hurricane. See, stuff like this is beautiful. I can't do this. I can't write this. This is why I'm saying it. (laughs) As they close with the foe, the players are in constant motion, a riot of prismatic color that dazzles the senses. The oncoming Harlequins sprint, leap, and weave, the blades and blasts of their terrified enemies whistling around them to little effect. Harlequins in battle prefer to rely upon speed and skill over brute strength and resilience. Their hollow suits shatter the wearer's outline into a fractal, polychromatic blur, causing each Harlequin to appear as an insubstantial storm of psychedelic color into which the panicked foe pour their fire to no avail. At the moment of lethal impact, however, the Harlequins prove all too real. Very cool. (sighs) Oh, there's these, so much um, more, but I won't read yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> these yeah, excerpts, yeah. man, are insane. Like the writers, like it's just it's just incredible the detail they go into, you know? Yeah. I I mean I could have just sat here and read the whole codex and you would have understood the Harlequins, I guess, just as well. But I wanted to a lot of it I just needed to refresh my memory, but there were some parts yeah. like that that just said what I wanted to say so much better than I could, and I'm like why would I try and reword this for the sake yeah. of rewording it? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 The writers are incredible. You're correct. Um, so the Eldar, sorry, the Harlequins are more than just the most deadly Eldari force in existence, though. They perform two other equally important roles. The first of which is the performers. They also literally are performers of the arts, although they, they don't, as, as mentioned early, they, they can't really, or they don't discern the difference between art and war. Those two things are the same to them. There's only one word for those in the Harlequin vocabulary. But the same masks that they fight with in actual combat are the same ones they perform shows with. Because again, to them, they're traveling around together. Whether they show up on a battlefield and destroy people or show up in the court of a craft world to perform an act... There's no distinction between the two for them. Yeah. These performances and dances that they play for the other Eldari are important as they portray the brutal past of the Eldari race. They use these dances and performances to tell the stories of the old ones, the old deities that have since been destroyed, as well as the, the, the great show, the great dance, is the performance of the fall itself. Um, these act as history lessons for the craft world, Exodites, and Drukhari alike so that they are reminded of their transgressions in an attempt to sort of unify the race so that they hope to never do it again. So, okay, um, are the Eldari, the Harlequins, the Exodites, and the Drukhari, are they all, like, friendly? Like, are they, like obviously, they, they fight each other, but, like, for the most part, do they get along? I would say for the most part, they don't get along. It's only okay. under certain circumstances that they would. Yeah. Um, the Harlequins are the only race that can traverse between the three, and they're actually revered as sort of supernatural beings by m- most of them. Okay, wow. Especially because the the act that they do of the fall, they actually need someone to play the role of Slanesh to properly tell the story. Yeah. 
And they can only do that when a solitaire shows up because only a solitaire can play the part of Slanesh without going insane. Wow. Um, okay. So when the solitaire shows up and they're able to tell this story that only the Harlequins can tell because only they have the solitaires that can do this, they're looked at as these supernatural beings of the most high importance. Yeah. So all of all three factions respect the Harlequins, but definitely not each other. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. these performances for their kin is a huge part of the Harlequins identity. And as much training and choreography goes into these dances as they do the battles that they partake in, both are equally precise and flowing in beauty. So they're performers. They're absolute stallions on the battlefield. Their final role is the Keepers of the Black Library. The Harlequins are the Keepers and Protectors of the Black Library. Um, for those of you who, whom don't know, the Black Library houses all of the Eldari's precious knowledge and is described as a behemoth, impossible craft world that resides within the webway. There's lore in the Black Library that it's a library to use that word, makes it seem so much smaller, but it's just an expanse of corridors and, a, and an abyss of books and, and knowledge yeah. regarding every galactic mystery, every species, every interaction with chaos that the Eldari have ever encountered over millennia. Now, there's one book of interest that exists in the heart of the Black Library. This is a book that was written by Segarak himself. This book's covers have long been held shut by chains of light, but over the years, as prophesied or fabled events have played out, these chains of light have slowly faded. And shortly after the opening of the Great Rift, the chains were broken and the book opened. And now, this sort of puts us to where we're at now with the Harlequins, a deadly force that is constantly hunting chaos, but ultimately does whatever Segorak plans, old Keggy. They are currently in an age called the Final Act. And it all revolves around opening and interpreting this book. So I will end this deep dive on one last excerpt called the Final Act. So within this book were revealed writings said to have come from Segarak's own hand. Inspiring and terrifying in equal measure, they revealed a final act that changed utterly the tale of the fall. Those words presented a slender hope and began a galactic performance that the Harlequins strive to see fulfilled. Always, the strands of fate had warned that chaos would be victorious during the Ranadandra, the fabled great battle, battle at the galaxy's ending. Yet, this final act promises a new path. Segarak's ultimate jest would trick Slanesh into expanding all her energies not to destroy the Eldari, but to save them. How such a thing could come to pass remains unclear, but the Harlequins are devoted servants of their god, and they will see the final act performed no matter the cost. Pause for effect. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, 
Uh, I just love that because it says that it says to me that Segarak is so some would say arrogant, but I would say so powerful and confident. He's been playing <laughs> strings and planting seeds all the while, so people eventually would you would assume to overthrow Slanesh. But yep. his plan is so much more. It's a it's a bigger jest than that. He's going to trick Slanesh into not just destroying the Aldari like you'd expect she's going to try and do. But yep. to die helping the Aldari, which is awesome. I think that's awesome. Yeah, that's uh, that is very cool. Very cool. New York Times bestseller, Kegarak. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he's got a pretty good book. People yep. seem to like it. So, that's where the Harlequins are at now. Um, they're sort of constantly. They've got more purpose now. Um, so it started to ramp up for them a lot. Um, they've started to, the recruiting is getting more rampant. Some people now, where it used to be something that it was like thousands of Harlequins existed. They were this elite, enigmatic, mysterious group of people. Now they could be in the millions or wow. tens of millions. Yep. Um, no one actually knows how strong Segarak's armies are. Uh, so, yeah. So as far as we know, something big is going to happen. Something big? Yeah, something real big. Uh, yeah. And so the Harlequins are now revered even further in the Eldar race because they are really the hope of the Eldar. Yeah. Because every other thing seems to point to Eldar being absolutely fucked. But <laughs> yeah. the Harlequins or Segarak has other plans, which is dope. How are you I think this is just like we mentioned, the cool thing that uh, 40k does with the lore, where Harlequins, which to most people would just be this little side faction, you know, it's just a little subset of... It's not not big and important like the, the you know, Crafts World or Drakari. Yeah. They're just like a little side story in the universe. But then for those like me who love them, when you dive in deep, you're like, wait, these are one of the main players in the game. Like, we're not talking small things. We're talking, kill, like, b- defeating chaos and saving the Eldar through trickery. Yeah, is, yeah. It's just cool to me. Seems Hell dope. yeah, dude. It's awesome to see that reflected like that, you know? Like you said, such a small group, which a lot of people would overlook, um, to be so important. Hell yeah. 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 So, uh, there's... So, there's it's crazy because, I mean, I talked for, was that, 50 minutes on Harlequins, but I didn't touch on so much of the cool stuff I could have, which is great. It kind of leaves it open for a part two if absolutely like I want to hit it. Hell yeah. Talking about the cool Shadow Seers and Solitaires and all the different weapons and the different fights. I've got so much on, like, actual battles that happened and real-life examples. But this is a good, like, I guess, foundational piece. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool, dude. Thank you for that deep dive into Harlequins. No, you are most welcome. Thanks for staying with me, Shane. Thanks for listening. That's all right. That's all right, dude. I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. Excellent. Um, <laughs> some of it, some of it, I was familiar with. Like I, I, I've never read a Harlequin Codex, but I remember you telling me about the lore. But then so much more of it was just all, all new. You know, like, um, yeah. yeah. Fuck, that's that's just awesome. Very. I cool. hope uh, people were able to take away the story of the Eldari and the different factions there and learning of the webway and the warp and the birth of a chaos god. This is a pretty loaded Absolutely. episode. Absolutely. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Chock a block. 
Chocobo. Now I'm gonna now I'm gonna be like a Necron and go have a great sleep. <laughs> you burned it, dude. Sixty million years. <laughs> Set yeah. the alarm. All right. I don't know. I've got a Samsung. Does it go up to sixty million? I don't know. I might. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you just hit snooze a couple of times. Ah, uh, yeah, sounds good. Snooze ten mil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Well, um, yeah, that's 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 another deep dive, guys. Hopefully, hopefully you all enjoyed it as much as as I did listening to it. Um, yeah, and as much as you did, Fox presenting it. Oh, I froth every minute of research. The great part was like, I would just be like, oh, sorry, I just got to go. I can't do the dishes. I got to go prepare for an episode. And then I'll just be reading about Harlequins. I'm like, oh, these are amazing. The she comes in, part- you, you've got your feet <laughs> yeah. up with the fucking codex. And she's like, I thought you were said you were doing podcast. And you're like, I, I am. <laughs> I'm, excuse me, you're interrupting. <laughs> yeah. I'm reading about the fall of the Eldari race. Excuse me. <laughs> um, Yeah. Yeah, it was it was good fun. I, I loved it. The the toughest part about researching Harlequins is all the old memories and fighting every urge to buy a Harlequin army. Thank goodness they're expensive and difficult to paint. How many times did you have a cart full ready to hit that, that fire button? I was in a constant state of cart foolery. <laughs> of course you were. <laughs> yeah, every website I went to was just had a cart full. Yeah. Harlequins would be like, oh, Games Workshop. Oh, yeah. What's this? 12 items in my cart? Oh, yes, I see. I see. Yeah, you got to do clear cookies, dude. Then you can go back to a fresh uh, cart. The only way to clear a cart on my computer at this stage is just to reformat the bish. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> There's too, ma- too many cookies. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully, I'll have to come to that, but we'll true, see. True. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, as you guys know, we have giveaways uh, every month. Uh, right now, we've got one going for the game Pendulum, which is a one to five player strategy game. You manage the most precious resource, which is time. Um, Damn, that's deep, dude. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, also, a Patreon only giveaway, which is our uh, coveted hobby resupply pack. Everything you need to keep hobbying. Um, yeah. And we've got a winter painting competition, which is happening right this very second. Uh, it runs until 11.59 p.m. on the 31st of August. You've got one miniature to paint, three colors, white, blue, gray. Easy. Hit it. Yeah. And prizes for those two. Yeah. Um, and if you're listening to this in the distant future, potentially 60 million years from now, we have uh, these same giveaways every month and painting competitions every season. So no yeah. matter what day of the year it is, there's giveaways and painting comps all on our Facebook page. Yeah, for as long as Slanesh hasn't consumed everyone, we will have giveaways and painting competitions going on. I didn't even talk about the cool part. Like, so Slanesh owns the souls of everyone real quick. <laughs> <laughs> we have a good time, dude. <laughs> and, and just quickly, when the Harlequins die, Segarak steals the souls from Slanesh's grasp just as one another joke. Anyway, can carry nice. on. <laughs> nice, I like that. He's like, you thought you had that? Bitch, you wrong. Nope, that's mine. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Um, yeah. Uh, massive thank you to our patrons. Without you guys, we couldn't do this um, every month, every week, every yeah. all the time. So New episodes every much Sunday. Time. I haven't prepared anything and I'm already talking nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> this one episode, I had to do nothing and I already messed it up. <laughs> you already messed up doing nothing, dude. Yeah. You know what, Shane? You're terrible at doing nothing. I'm never going to let you do nothing again. <laughs> Okay, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, massive thank you to Burnsy, Wack, Final, Foggy Highway, Joey P, Lockie, 
MJ, Lethal, Moose, and Penny. And we got Elko, Arkham, Caitlin, Dave, Churchy, Rad, Oliver, Hawkers, Tricky, and Agro. Thank you all so much. We we, we can't thank you enough. We try. No, we can't. We try. We try to do it we every try. week. It's yeah. just not enough, though. It really isn't. It really isn't. Um, but also, thanks to our other homies as well. Like, we do have other ways to support us. You don't have to spend your hard-earned cash on, on Patreon. Um, if you like, you can spend it on merch on hobbyhomies.com. Or <laughs> yeah. uh, you can go to smoothmyballs.com forward slash hobbyhomies and you can up, upgrade your uh, manscaping kit there. And that you get a discount and a little bit goes to us to, to help us keep the lights on. Um, if you don't want to feel like parting with your money, I don't blame you. Um, just like and subscribe our YouTube channel, follow on Spotify, like and follow all our Facebook and Instagram shit. Um, yeah. and then sneak us into the yeah. algorithm. Yeah. But that's what we need. We need the algorithm on our side. Yeah. I think it's been working against us. That's the only, that's the only reason I feel like we're not Joe Rogan status yet is because the algorithm's yeah. working against us. But the second we can turn the tide, I feel like we'll be good. We'll be Gucci. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like the so, algorithm is just having some like sick joke, like it's like Segarak or something, I and think it's just so. like I'm gonna and, watch these guys squirm. And West Lanesh, we're just constantly furious and mad that it's not going our way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like that's probably right. But you guys can help that by clicking all. The- Anytime you see something we do, like it, comment, interact with it in some way. Yeah, ideally digitally, because if you just like talk to your computer screen, that doesn't actually help us. But we do appreciate it. Yeah, um, but yeah, interact with it digitally, and uh, that would help us tremendously. That's it. I think that's us, dude. That's 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 it. Uh, I feel like I we've forgotten something. No, that's probably that's probably everything. Yeah, I could I could talk more about Harlequins. <laughs> no, no, next time. So, next uh, time. <laughs> so also the uh, I mentioned the souls being stolen.